0: Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. You're amazing. Can I, can I use the music stand? Oh, a pulpit's even better it might not break under the weight of my bible when you said that there's no guys group tomorrow i thought you meant like there's a ladies group called no guys group and i thought the women are getting bold in this church like listen this is amazing i'm definitely going to come down too can i do can we leave it here and then i'll do both i'm i'm crazy so listen let me give a forewarning to protect your pastor if you don't like me and i offend you it's okay i'm leaving all right so please still come back i won't be here tomorrow i saw something in my spirit and i i highly value obedience and i feel like what i'm gonna do is uncomfortable um and i just need you to bear with me and remember if i offend you your pastor invited me so blame him and then two still come back because i won't be here next week is that okay all right, we're all on the same page. Listen, it's, um, it is common that the most segregated place in America is a Sunday morning in the South. Amen. And I looked in this congregation, and listen, y'all are diverse. And I was getting excited, because the church I come from is about 50% international. So we're pretty diverse. And I'm sitting over there, and I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? What are you stirring? You've got, ah, oh, I'm so... So super hungry for the day that we stop separating ourselves just because we look different or we think different. Like one king. One king. We've got a gospel. It's Black History Month. Can I? Is it okay? Can I? Okay. Listen, we have a gospel celebration at my church this week, and I made sure I was in town for it because homegirl likes the gospel. Alright? Like, that is my thing. I can't sing it. I can't dance. I have no rhythm. One of my best friends is black. I told you I'm going to be a little offensive. I need you to deal with it. Is that okay? Just don't be mad at me, okay? And she's like, look, Jess. You can't do the gospel. We went to Martin Luther King's celebration, 100-person gospel choir in Sacramento a few weeks ago. And I'm sitting there like, oh, yeah, I feel it. I feel it. She's like, Jess, just put your hands down. Stop, girl. She's like, I cannot be seen with you if you dance like that. And I'm like, listen, either we're going to do the unity thing or we're not. So you're going to have to, you know, deal with all this. And I'm going to have to deal with you. She made me buy white shoes. I told you I'm going to be a little offensive. I said, listen, Jed, her name's Jadita. Wh- white people don't wear white shoes. And she said, why? And I said, because we don't, we don't know how to clean them. <laughs> like, I I'd put them in the washing machine. She said, you're going to buy these shoes, and you are not going to put them in the washing machine. Why do I tell you this? Because, listen, these are conversations that need to be had. Where I can look at her and I can go, listen, I know you think I don't have any rhythm. And I also don't know how you wear white shoes. Like we, we have these conversations and when something pricks in me that gets a little offended, instead of running away and separating, I lean in. And I say, can we, can we talk about that a little more? I don't, I don't understand. And you know what it often comes down to is we sit down and we go, oh, you're a a black woman. She's actually from Africa, legitimately from Africa, from Cape Verde. They migrated when she was seven to um, the East Coast. I'm a white Southern girl from Liberty Podong, Texas. So when we start talking about some issues, it's safe to say we've got a different experience. And there's things where she'll say something and I go, I don't quite under I don't know if I think what you're saying is true and she'll go, "Yeah, cuz you're a white country girl." And I don't take that offensively. I have to sit with the reality that I might be ignorant of her experience. I need you all to not be offended with me. Can you? Can you? Can we do this? So I saw something in my spirit because we've been we've been leaning into this as a as a friend group for years, going, I'm not going to allow our differences to polarize and separate us. I'm not going to allow the fact that maybe your experience is different than mine to allow me to be okay with offense in my life and give me an excuse for why I don't have to love you. So I saw something in my spirit. This is not what I want to teach on, but I just, we have to do this. Is that okay? This is in the Passion Translation. It's a beautiful translation if you haven't read it. Just so you don't think that I'm a heretic and throw a rock at me, it takes the Arama- Aramaic, which is what Jesus spoke, instead of the Greek. And it translates from the Aramaic. Is that okay? So this is, I promise, it's still the Bible. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in in Christ by dying as our sacrifice. Listen to this. He has broken down every wall of prejudice that separate us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Here we go. This gets me excited. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. When I came under the lordship of Jesus, I gave up my right. Listen, I gave up my right to be offended at you because you think differently than me. And what we've done in an attempt to try and stay out of offense is we've said, okay, you look different, you think different, you worship different, you go to that church, I'll go to this one. And then we just won't have to deal with the dysfunction that we have. Amen. Is that me preaching or is that somebody else? As long as it's me, it's fine. Keep playing it. Here. I'm just kidding. I want to read you this and then I want to do a prophetic act. And then I promise I'll stop making you all squirm in your seats. Listen, I believe in hard conversations. I just believe in them. I believe in them in my friendships. I believe in them in my relationships with my, my, my boss, with my, the kids I mentor, disciple, all of those kind of things. Like We've gotten so used to, to having conversations through a screen that we no longer know how to have a face-to-face conversation that just doesn't feel good sometimes. But if I can come to you and, and, and build trust with you and have trust equity in a relationship enough where I can go, I love you so much. That there's nothing that we can talk about that's off limits. Because at the end of the day, I know your heart. And I'm looking for your heart. And if I can connect on that level, then yeah, sometimes you're going to say some stuff that I don't like. Sometimes you're going to say stuff I disagree with. But my heart is to understand you and to understand where you're coming from. And it's to love you. And to build relationship with you. And this is why. John 17, Jesus is praying. He's praying for the disciples, but he's also praying for us. I love this moment in scripture because, listen, Jesus was about to die and he knew it. And so that means that, you know, the things he was saying, pretty important. What was he praying for? What was he thinking about as the days were leading up to his crucifixion? What mattered to him? And in John 17, we see this. I'm theatrical. Any of you guys that have been around me the last few days, you know I'm super theatrical. So I put myself in the word and I, I see Jesus on his knees just before the Father. And he's thinking about you and me He's thinking about the disciples, but he's thinking about the believers that would follow him. And he he begins to pray a prayer and he's praying this in John 17. And to me, like I, I can feel the weight of him crying this out. And he just says, God, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. I pray that they would be one. I'm not a mom yet, but I've heard many times that the worst thing that can happen to a mom is two of their kids fighting. It's like the one I love and the one I love. I just, I just want them to get along. And here's Jesus going, I pray that they would be one. I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. He didn't say, I pray they would look alike. Okay. I didn't, he didn't pray that they would think alike. He prayed that we'd get along, but then get this. Now this is gonna be out of the passion translation. Get this. You live fully in me, now I live fully in them. So that they will experience perfect unity. Now, listen to what happens when unity happens. Are you ready? This is going to blow your mind. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. I think this is the greatest evangelism verse in the entire Bible. I believe that. I believe that unity is the answer to revival. Because this is what he's saying. Listen, he's saying, I pray that they would be one, that there would be unity. And once they become one, once unity happens, then the world will around them. That's how they're going to know that I'm the son of God. That's right. exactly. And then get this. What's the next thing that we pray for? This is what we want, right? Two main things in evangelism that we want. We want them to know that Jesus Christ is the son of God and we want them to know that God loves them. And he says this, when they become one in perfect unity, then the world will know that you sent me and that you love them with the same love that you love me. You wanna show the world the Father? Get along. So I just, I, this is weird. You're gonna to have to put the phone up, come loose. I love her. It's okay. I'm not being mean. She knows that. My Norwegian friend. Can you come here? Come up. Lock hands with her. Both of you. Will you come up? Yes, I am purposely picking people who look different. Okay? Purposely. Albert. Where was my friend Albert? Will you come up, Albert? Come on up. Sir, will you come up? Give me somebody young. Who's young? Give me a kid. You, well, you, you're not super young, but you look young. You come on. There we go. Give me some, I need a dark friend, a dark, dark friend. Where's it? Red shirt, would you come here? I promise, listen, it's okay, it's okay. Take a deep breath, take a deep breath. We look different, it's okay, all right? I need a picture here. I need you to see something. They're different. They're different. We got got some, some dark friends. We got we got some lighter browner friends. This is my this is my Egyptian friend. I know y'all are real uncomfortable. I know. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. This is my Egyptian friend. This is my Norwegian friend. This is my older, bald headed friend, but I love you. I love you. Sit look, older friend, but lighter friend. Listen, my friends. And we look different. And guess what? You see them? I love you held hands. I didn't even ask you. Y'all are amazing. See, y'all get what I'm saying. I want you to understand something. In heaven, you're all going to be with each other young and old, different colors, different nationalities. And when we pray this prayer, God, I pray that your kingdom come. You're figuring it out, aren't you? On earth. As it is in heaven, there is no segregation. There's unity. And when we come together, listen, I, I'll cry saying this. Come on. I love Jesus so much. You got to understand, you spend a little time with me, you'll figure it out. I, I, I love him. And I read this verse several years ago, probably four years ago. And he's saying, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one so that the world will know that you sent me. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Jessica, you cannot get in your prayer closet and pray for revival and then walk outside and segregate yourself just because people look different than you. It, it is a direct contradiction. And then he said this, Jessica... You can either be the answer to my prayer in John chapter 17, or you can be the reason why I had to pray it. And let me tell you something. I don't want to be the reason why he had to pray a corrective prayer. I want to be a part of the solution. And if this is what ushering in heaven on earth looks like, then I'm not going to be complacently silent. I'm going to be vocal and fight for it because he did. Silence is often complacency. And can I just say one thing? Can I say one thing a little, a little offense, a little more offensive than I've already been. Putting a post on social media isn't doing something. Come on. Come on. Martin Luther King Day, 50,000 posts, right? Okay, I love him. I love him. I love what he worked for. He's a hero. It's amazing. Way to go, Martin Luther King. Yes, we love you. And then tomorrow we go back living our segregated lifestyles. And we go... Oh, but I, I totally support, I totally support it. I put a post on Facebook, didn't you see it? I'm being very vocal behind my screen. Right, That's not doing something. And listen, we're all called to different word. I'm not saying that, but listen, when the time comes, there will be a line and you stand in the line and you make a choice. I'm either gonna stand for unity, I'm gonna fight for it, I'm gonna push into it, I'm gonna lean into it, it might be uncomfortable, it might be confusing, I might get some stones thrown at me, I might take some blows. But listen, I'm gonna stand for what Christ stood for ethnic prejudice was destroyed at the cross. Are you going to be a part of the solution or a part of the problem? And I'm probably preaching to the choir because y'all are diverse in here. But it's time we take this thing and we walk. Listen, brother, I don't know you. Can I hold your hand? It's time we take the hand of people who look different than us. And we walk outside the church. And we go, look, I'm with you. They speak bad against you. They speak bad against me. They throw a stone at you. Guess what? I'll use my privilege and step in front of you. Because they might throw a stone at him. But they won't throw a stone at me. Let's be real. It's okay, my, my white friends. It's okay. listen, when you begin to love people the way Jesus loved them, I no longer have an excuse for going, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm going to stay over here. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Listen, brother. I'm sorry. What can we do? I'm with you. You want the mic? Take the mic. Y'all think I'm kidding. I'm serious. We've got to get to this place. We have to get to this place. Because this, listen to me, this is revival. It it is not a white revival and a black revival and a Hispanic revival and an African, that's not what's happening. It's together because this is heaven. You guys can sit, thank you so much. Now that y'all already know I'm crazy and I don't care what you think about me, we'll get into the word some more. I, I, I'm super, it's 12.05. Okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> Thanks guys. Wait, There's a pastor, I love when they do this, be like, who give me five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'll take them all. Salt. I want, um, <laughs> salt. I, I, I don't. I don't like this idea, um, especially as a, listen, a a single woman in jeans, right? We were talking about that without shoes on. You can tell, you can tell I'm not really good for like boxes, right? I kind of like, I don't know. I get in a box and I'm like, get your box away from me. I can't fit in your box. I didn't, you know, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in this, like, I I don't think before church, like how can I be the most offensive person in the room? That's not my goal. Like, some people do, especially in the younger generation. They're like, oh, let me shock and awe you. And that's, that's not what I'm in this for. But what I am in this for is preaching the true word of Jesus uncompromisingly and unwatered down. And if that tends to make people uncomfortable, it's not me, it's the truth you're uncomfortable with. And we have to get to a place, listen, even if you're not a communicator with a microphone, you, your life is a microphone when you walk outside. And we have to stop watering things down to make people comfortable. And we have to start saying, no, lean in. Come on. Lean into it. I, I'm honestly at a place in my life where when something pricks me, like I, the temptation for me used to be to run away right? That's uncomfortable. I don't know how to swallow that. That feels weird. That's awkward. And now I go, oh, oh, that pricked me. That means I need to lean into that. What's going on? What What is it in me that isn't, doesn't feel comfortable pushing into things that maybe bring conviction? Let me just say it that way, <laughs> right? So we have to lean into that stuff. I want to talk to you. The, the whole song set was about this, and it, I was Playing with it with the Lord in, in worship, saying, Is this what I'm supposed to do today? Can we can I be real weird and just take a totally direct left turn and get into a message? Is that okay? All right. That's really not good communication, but I love you, and I hope you love me enough to just let me be a bad communicator and just follow the Holy Spirit for a minute. We're singing these songs in worship, and I thought, oh my gosh. I know that um I know the city's been through a lot, right? Harvey happened. There's tons of stuff that's gone on in this area, and um, the Lord is he's setting you guys up for, for pro- propelling forward. We talked about this some at the service on Friday night, but I want to just take you straight into Usually, I would tell you my story, and I would take an hour and a half to like lead you into this thing, but I really felt from the Lord to just go straight into it so that we could have some ministry time. Is that okay? So I, the quick version is this. I do work in conflict zones. If you don't know me, I travel around the world. I, I really do have a heart for the darkest of places. Like that's where I want to go where people don't want to go. That's usually where I want to go because where, where the enemy is ha- running havoc and the darkest, that's where light shines the brightest. You ever lit a match in a dark room, right? So I, I have a heart for that. And, uh, in the middle of that several years ago, I came home from one of the war zones and I got PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder after, um, Becoming suicidal, having anxiety attacks daily, nightmares, um, demonic encounters. I mean, the list literally is like this long of all that I went through during that time. Losing my job, losing most of my friends, like all of this kind of stuff. I end up getting healed. I was danced over. We can talk about that another time. That's an awkward story. But I was danced over and all of the PTSD broke off of me. The testimonies on Bethel TV. If you just look it up on YouTube, it'll pop up. Fun story. When it was done, I was in this place with the Lord where, to be honest, for the first time in my life, everything I believed about him was shaken. I don't know if you've had moments like that. We don't like to talk about them in church. You guys already know me. I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, we don't like that? Let's talk about it in church. So here I was like sick for months and months and months and not getting healed. And I didn't have a theology for that. Like My theology was, no, I'm healed of the Lord, so I'm healed, so I'm healed, but I wasn't getting healed, (laughs) and I went to every healing ministry you could think of that I knew. Please lay hands on me, please lay hands on me, please lay hands on me. I was having demonic encounters in the middle of the night and doing everything I knew, shakaraba, Jesus' name, blah, 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 you know, like everything you could, that I had been taught to do. I was using the word, using the word, like everything I had been taught to do really became shaken. And at the end of the day, what happened is I began to doubt the true nature of the Lord. That's the last thing you want to be shaken. (laughs) Trust me. But I sat there and these these lies were penetrating constantly that were like, yeah, he's a healer. He's just not gonna heal you. Come on. Yeah, he's, he's a provider. He's just not gonna provide for you. And to be honest, at first... Super easy because I'm like, pull out my sword, right? And I'm like, dun 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 And I am k- kicking in the blows. But go on for month after month after month after month. And eventually it was like, maybe it's true. And after I got healed, the Lord took me into a season where he began to teach me about trials. He, he began to teach me about deepening his nature in the midst of op- opposition instead of losing it. I'm writing a whole book on it right now and I just really felt led this morning to just share some pieces of the things that the Lord showed me during that season. Is that okay? Listen, this is for some of you in this room who have gone through hard things and your theology doesn't match up. It's okay. We can talk about this. It's okay. So there's a, There's a verse in Luke chapter 5, I'm sorry, a passage in Luke chapter 5 where a man has leprosy. In the uh, old, Old Testament times, if you had leprosy, they thought that you brought it on yourself by sin. Like, you have leprosy because you're a sinner. Some of us have been through stages where we had theology like that. Like, you're sinning. That's why you have cancer. Were you all here last night? And this this man who has leprosy, who should be unclean, who shouldn't be allowed to even come near Jesus because he's clean, he runs up to him and he screams out. And this is what he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What does that tell me? He didn't doubt God's nature. I mean, he didn't doubt God's ability. He doubted his nature. He didn't say, God, can you? Can you make me clean? God, can you heal me? Would you please? Maybe? Maybe. Can you do it? I don't know. I don't know if you can. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. He didn't say that. He said, if you're willing, you can. Like, I know you are a healer. I just don't know if you'll heal me. And Jesus makes a prophetic declaration that's ringing out still today where he actually reveals the nature of the Father. Hebrews 1-3 says this, that Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. In other words, everything I see in Jesus, I know is from the Father. Jesus was actually sent to the earth for, to do many things, but one of those was to reveal the nature of the Father. It, you wanna know why? They had really bad theology. They had generations of people who had forgotten what he was really like. And they began to speak and talk about him in a way that wasn't true. And God said, no, I'm gonna settle this issue. I'm gonna send Jesus and in him you'll see what I'm like. And this is what Jesus says to this man who was in desperate need of a miracle, who knew that God could heal but wasn't sure if he would. Jesus said, I'm willing, be clean. I'm willing. He settled for eternity the discussion of whether or not God wants to heal. He he just settled it in one statement. I'm willing. I'm willing. I want to. That's my desire for you. And what happens often, just like this leprous man, is that we have different voices speaking to us and telling us what he's like. We have experiences that we begin to take as truth. My pastor says this. He says, Faith is not denying a problem's existence. It's denying it a place of influence. Listen to that again. Faith is not denying a problem's existence. It's denying it a place of influence. So... In the middle of this, I get healed, and I, I end up just going into this journey where he's, he's teaching me about his nature, and he takes me into a courtroom. I have a vision, and uh, I'll come up here just for so you guys can see. I have a vision, and I'm in the back of an American courtroom, so you guys know, right? Like, people watching here, people watching here, there was a defendant and um, prosecution I'm here, and when I'm taken into the vision, I immediately have this feeling of like, I'm guilty. You guys know that feeling? Like, I did it. Oops, right? And I just knew in this moment, like I hung my head down because I knew that I was going to be brought to the front. I knew I was going to be accused and I knew that I was guilty. And there was so much shame and so much guilt on me. So I kept my head down as this person led me forward. And I'm walking forward. And as I go to turn to sit into the defendant's chair, there's a bloodline on the ground. And I'm looking down and I I remember the feeling. Like it's, it's like I could see it. And I was in it and I had the feelings of it, but it was a vision. Does that make sense? So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I remember going like, oh, like what's, what's happening? I was so confused. And the man who had been walking with me, he begins to take me around and he sits me at the place of the judge. And I'm going, what am I doing? And when I look up, I see God in the place of the defendant and the enemy in the place of the prosecution. And the Lord speaks to me and he says this. He says, Jessica, when you're in trial, you assume you're the only one being attacked. But the blood has been spilled. And when I look at you, all I see is Jesus. And listen, this is what he said to me. The enemy no longer has a right to accuse you to me. So instead, he'll accuse me to you. I'll say it again. The enemy no longer has a right to accuse you to me. You can't be in the defendant's chair and me the judge because all I see is Jesus. So instead, he'll accuse me to you. His hope in the midst of trial, is that I listen to the voice of the enemy accusing the nature of God so that I'll make a partnership with a lie. Come on. And lose the faith to continue into a healing. I want you to think about some of the trials of your life. I'll use mine as an example. PTSD. I know God will heal me, but I just don't I, just, I know God can, I just don't know if He will. I, I know I lost my job. I know that He could provide. I just I don't know if He will. And I know they say He's good, but this does not feel like He's good. I know they say He's kind, but this does not feel like He's kind. And over a decade of relationship that I had built up with the Lord began to just crumble down as I would take lies as truth. And I was letting the enemy call his own witnesses to the stand, one after one, attacking the nature of God and listening to them as if they were truth. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, Jessica, you are the judge of this courtroom. You get to determine which witnesses you listen to. My pastor says this, the enemy and God both have a purpose for your wilderness and it's up to you which one you'll choose. I'm standing on something I shouldn't be. I want to encourage you that when trial comes, The enemy, no doubt, and and let me make this statement first. The enemy no longer has the ability to accuse you to God. It doesn't mean he won't accuse you to you. Like in the midst of being like, I don't know if I can trust the Lord anymore. I was also like, I'm the worst missionary ever. I don't know if I'll ever get to be in ministry again. I don't know if I can ever preach a sermon again. I have no faith. I'm horrible. I'm scum. All of those things were coming constantly. Constantly. I got to the point literally where I was driven almost insane. Constant thoughts of suicide and, and just disappointment and frustration where I wanted to quit. There was a point, and I won't tell the whole story, where I was laying in the floor with a bottle of pills in one hand and a Bible in the other because I was going to quit. I was done. And that's what the enemy hopes in a trial. His plan is that he can call enough witnesses to the stand and you don't understand your authority because the judge has the authority in the courtroom that you'll listen to his witnesses over and over again until you decide that God's guilty. And once you determine that, you'll quit. You'll quit. And God said, Jessica, it's time for you to call your own witnesses to the stand. It's time for you to decide that when the enemy starts accusing my nature, you're gonna tell him to shut up. I've got my own witnesses. There's two witnesses we always have. One is our testimony. They overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I get to draw on my history with the Lord and go, no, 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 I know I'm not experiencing what feels like faithfulness right now, but I know he's faithful. I know I'm not experiencing what feels like prosperity right now, but I know he's provider. I know I'm not currently experiencing what feels like peace, but I know he is. And I get to draw on these testimonies. That's why testimony is so important. Where I pull them out. We see it throughout the Old Testament where um, God would tell them, set up a rock as a stone of remembrance. A.K.A. don't forget what I did here because there'll be a day where my nature is challenged and you need to be able to look back at what I did and go, no, I know he's faithful. I know he split the sea so I could walk through it. I know that he gave bread in the wilderness. I know that he showed up at battle. I know, I know, I know because I've experienced who he is. And listen to me, young people, you might only have a year So you might not have a year's worth of experience. You want to know what the best testimony is anyway? I might walk into a situation that I don't have personal history with, but I've always got a place that I can make personal history. Right here. If if you haven't seen it in your circumstances, you can encounter him in a verse. This is a reality. How many of you guys know it? I can start, listen, with tears in my eyes, I can start recounting moments that I'm reading in scripture and he came in and met me there. And it's as big of a testimony as if he would have written me a $10,000 check because he showed up and it transformed me. He revealed to me what he was really like. And I can pull on this testimony and draw out of it. Where are we at? Okay. Psalms 103. You don't have to turn. I'm going to quote it anyway. I love this passage because David had just gone through, she looked it up, the history for me recently. Bathsheba? Was that right? Yeah, okay. David had just gone through the issue with Bathsheba. Remember? He made uh, some bad choices. (laughs) None of us have never done that, but, you know, he did. So we can just throw stones at him and pretend like we don't make mistakes and read into this passage where David was actually in a circumstance where there's so many witnesses coming at him, accusing him and accusing God. Jessica's theatrical, Psalm 103, okay? And this is what I see him doing. I love this because David says this, Hey, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Do you realize that in the world you're crazy if you talk to yourself, but in the kingdom you're crazy if you don't? So he, he literally sits and he goes, hey, 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 soul. Sorry, I yell. Hey, hey, soul. Last time I made a joke about my chubby. I won't do that this time. So, hey, hey, soul. And he's literally talking to himself. I know, Jessica's theatrical one-on-one. I know that your experience right now doesn't make you want to bless the Lord. But guess what? Guess what you're gonna do? Some of you need to decide with yourself. I'm going to stop focusing on the circumstances that are lying to me and telling me that God is not who he says he is. I'm going to call my own witness to the stand. And I'm going to go, guess what, Saul? You may not feel like it, but bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. That's what you're going to do. And listen, we have this conversation all the time. There's great tension. There's lots of tension in scripture. People are like, well, that's not being authentic. I have a high value for authenticity. I have a high value for vulnerability, but it is not inauthentic to say that I'm gonna choose a superior reality than the one I'm experiencing right now. It doesn't deny a problem's existence. It just denies it influence. I know right now you're downcast. We saw David say that too. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? I know you're downcast. I know you're not feeling the pure butterflies of the joy of the Lord right now. But guess what you're going to do even when you don't feel it? Because there's a superior reality than what I see with my eyes or I feel with my emotions. And listen, young people, you got to understand something. That's a, uh, I don't want to say doctrine, that's a truth that our generation would like to leave in favor of what we call vulnerability. Right. And it's not, you do not have to leave vulnerability to choose faith. Right. That's good. There's, listen, there is something, y'all been calling them gray hairs. I love it, gray hairs around here. There is something that the gray hairs understand. <laughs> it might not have been you, pastor. It could have been somebody else. I know, I just got you in trouble. Somebody in the church said it. It could have been last night. It could have been out of the church. I don't know. There's Something that the older generation had that we have to learn. They had a tenacity to stand with the Lord and say, this is what the word says. And T.D. Jake says this. You're a microwave generation serving a crock pot God. And let me tell you something. We've had such an increase in technology in the last few years that we, as the younger generation, I'm talking to you young people, that we've gotten so used to, if I don't like it, I'll scroll past it. If I don't like it, I'll scroll past it. If I don't like it, I'll scroll past it. That our older generation friends who don't have Instagram, they still understand the way the Lord works because they haven't dove into that yet. And we need to understand that God has not changed with our technology, So we need to sit with this reality that yes, I can be authentic and I can be real and I can tell you what I'm experiencing, but I'm also gonna let you know that's not my truth. Don't lie, but submit to the superior reality. So here's David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then what does he say? And forget not all of his benefits. Hey, I know right now the temptation is to forget who he is. I know the temptation right now is to agree with your experience. I know the temptation is to agree with your lack. I know the temptation is to agree with your guilt. But right now, guess what, soul? Soul? Come on. Guess what? You're not going to forget his benefits. And then he goes on and what does he do? One by one, he calls his own witnesses to the stand. And he, get, he, goes, he says this, oh my gosh, I love it. He had just sinned with Bathsheba. And you know what the first thing he says is? It's he who forgives your iniquities. What do you think the temptation right then was to believe? I don't know if I could ever be forgiven and the first thing he says hey bless the Lord forget not his benefits it's he who forgives your iniquities what's the next thing he says it's he who heals all your disease come on the next one's my favorite he redeems your life from the pit because I don't know about you but I've been in a pit And I've had moments where I needed to know that even though when I looked around me, I saw a pit, that I served a God who redeemed me out of it. And he's calling his own witnesses to the stand. Though his experience isn't changing, he's decided which testimony he'll listen to. There's a power of your choice. And let me tell you something, it's not dependent on what the enemy throws at you. It's dependent on you. What are you going to believe? He calls each one line by line. I love this passage so much because there's so much of the power of the authority of the believer to just go, I'm going to determine who I listen to. It's he who redeems your life from the pit. It's he who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. It's he who satisfies you with good so your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Come on, he made his way known to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. And David calls up his own witnesses to the stand. And he says this, Jessica's Theatrics 101. The enemy might say that you're all these things, but I've believed the report of the Lord. And I say, you're not guilty, Lord. You are who you say you are. In every single trial is an invitation into a deeper revelation of his nature. Anyone in here ever been healed? Yeah. You know him as healer? Yeah. Can anybody convince you that he's not one? How come? You've experienced him as healer. A trial presented an invitation to know him on a level that you didn't know him previously. This is why James 1-2, I think it's the most perplexing verse in the entire Bible. <laughs> come on. You guys know it, right? Hey, take joy, beloved, when trials come your way. I don't know about you, but typically, my typical response, because I'm theatrical, is about like climb down in the floor and hug my knees. And And then I read this verse, take joy. I'm like, he must have been talking about Mother Teresa, because there was nobody else. But when you understand the nature of God in trial, you can actually have authentic joy when it comes your way. Why? Because in every trial, is an invitation to know him in a way you didn't know him before. The verse finishes, that it creates, the testing of your faith creates perseverance. And perseverance, when it has its perfect work, will make you perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How many of you guys want to be perfect and complete lacking nothing yeah. Lacking nothing. Yeah. How many of you guys want to go through some trials so you can get there? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to answer now. <laughs> I thought Good. Listen, your faith is not grown in your comfort zone. All right Come on. your faith. Your faith is not grown, he's easing through life. And the Lord does not put, I said this last night and I'll say it again, like he will not violate his nature to teach you a lesson or to grow your faith. Right. But he will capitalize on every attack of the enemy. Listen to me. He will capitalize on every, I, I like to say it this way he wastes no good trial. <laughs> So I don't care if what you're going through is a mild testing of your faith like frustration, my car won't start or if it's something as extreme as stage four cancer. I don't care if the enemy did it. I don't care if God led you into it because that does happen. Not in violation of his nature but into things that will stretch you and make you uncomfortable. And I don't care if it's your fault. Listen to me. You did something stupid and you got yourself in a trial. Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Like my mouth decided it had more to say than it should have and then I ended up in a trial. It doesn't matter if it's your fault. God would use a trial to invite you into a deeper level of his nature and propel you forward. To make you perfect and complete lacking nothing. No one understands the deep revelation of a provider. And so you got four kids and you're believing God for your rent to be due on Friday. But when God shows up, you can't convince that moment that he's not a provider. All right. In every experience that seems the opposite nature of the Father, he will show up and reveal himself. He solidifies inside of you who he is. And in case you forgot, that's what he's in this for relationship with you and showing you what he's really like and he'll deepen it and deepen it and deepen it until the point that you cannot be tempted to believe what the enemy or the world says about him anymore he'll so solidify, listen, somebody dance over me, that's how I got healed you cannot convince me that he's not a healer you just can't, suicidal one day, totally free the next, you can't convince me he showed up for a year while I was going through PTSD and provided for me. I had a car note. I moved. I had tuition. He showed up over and over and over and over and over again. You cannot convince me that he's not a provider. Because in my trials, were an invitation to know him at a level that I hadn't known him before. And this is how James can say, hey, listen, take joy. Because on the other side of that, you're perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If I can learn that when a trial comes, to align my thinking with heaven and see what's on the other side of my trial, that's why I can have authentic joy. And I'm not kidding when I say this. I'm at a point in life where I've dove into this enough, where a trial comes and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Can't wait. To see how God turns this one around. This is going to be a testimony for the books. The harder it is, the better it's (coughs) going to be. The more I'm tempted to cry and weep, which I'm I'm not against those things. But the more tempted I am to quit, the better my advancement's going to be on the other side of this. Because I know the nature of a redeemer. He says, anytime. Listen, baby. Listen, he loves you. Do you know how much he loves you? He loves you so much. He says, listen, bud, what's your name? Daniel. Man, if the enemy gets a prick in on you, you have a father that is a roaring lion that is coming to make an enemy pay for messing with you. You guys know that mama bear, right? Don't mess with my baby. I mean, I'll beat the mess out of my baby, but don't you touch my baby the Lord's like, I'll spend my kids. I'll discipline my kids. But you, no, off limits. Don't touch my kid. And if he gets a punch in, if he gets a nick in, if he gets anything like that, the nature of the Redeemer is that he comes in and he makes Him pay for everything. I'm here to tell you today, every tear you've cried, every moment you've spent on the floor wanting to quit, every time you didn't know how you would get through, every single ounce that the enemy has robbed or stolen from you. God's going to make it up. He's going to redeem it. And he's going to use what the enemy meant to stop you to propel you forward. You have a responsibility in this, guys. You're the judge. Whose testimony are you going to listen to? Whose testimony are you going to listen to? Inevitably, when I touch anything on trials. I get a question. Somebody will come up to me. Sometimes multiple people will come up to me and they'll ask me a question after service. Hey, that was amazing. That was so great. Love love the story. Um, But why does the enemy keep doing it? I'm like, that's a great question. Why does does he keep doing it? If if you know that the Lord's going to make him pay for what he did, why does he keep doing it? he's banking on the fact that you'll quit or you'll so water down the nature of God that you'll just confine yourself to sitting on a pew for the rest of your life. Because if I don't know him as healer, I won't go pray for the sick. If I don't know him as provider, I won't believe in faith when you need a breakthrough. If I don't know, come on, we can go down the list. So the enemy just takes the risk hoping you'll quit or you'll water down the nature of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but even when I say it, I'm like, not me. Not me, sucker. Ain't happening. And this fight roars up on the inside of me that says, I will not quit. I will not water down who he says he is. I will not shrink back to religion. I will not be a poo sitter. I will not allow complacency to overtake me because I've experienced adverse circumstances. No, instead, I don't know if you've ever seen Pearl Harbor or studied it, but the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, and what do they say? I fear all we've done is wake a sleeping giant. Let me tell you, you mess with me. I ain't asleep. But you just riled me up even more. And God uses the thing he meant to destroy you. To promote you and fire you up and propel you forward. to you become a demon-kicking radical believer? As Soon as I was healed of PTSD, I started asking God all these questions that we and several months later, I was in San Francisco, and I was preaching at a conference, and I just shared my testimony. And a man comes up from the back. He's in a veteran's uniform with a Vietnam veteran's cap. He's got a cane, and with tears in his eyes, he looks at me, and he says, For 40 years, every single day since the war, I've had PTSD, anxiety, depression, all of the stuff that you mentioned. And when you preached that sermon, I just felt it lift for the first time I'd go, I'd go through it all again for that one life. Because anything, anything that you conquer, you gain authority over A personal authority. And because now that I've experienced anxiety and I've experienced depression and I've experienced suicidal thoughts, I've got a burning hatred for that demon to be kicked out of the body of Christ. And what he thought would destroy me. Lit my fire. Will you guys stand up? We've been saying this a lot where I'm from, but man, I just feel like God is doing uh, this this thing lately where He is literally taking gasoline and just throwing it on fire, right? And it's like these these circumstances and the things that are happening in the earth, you see people that are allowing um, the same circumstances that are throwing gasoline on some people or throwing water on others. You seen it? It's like this polarization is happening. We talked about it last night. Like there are people that are, the fire is just roaring. And more gasoline and more gasoline. And as we look out, we see the things that are happening in the earth that are negative experiences that just they rile me up to go the kingdom is bigger that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and you think you're intimidating me by wars and rumors of wars and you think you're intimidating me by abortion you think you're intimidating me by all of these different situations you're not intimidating me you're throwing fire on my fire (coughs) gasoline on my fire and at the same time, I talk to people that will mention the same circumstances that are firing me up. And they go, I just don't know. And I'm telling you that God, I just look like in, right now. I see this picture of him just coming in with cans of gasoline. And just going, listen, babe, listen. God, stop saying that. It's time to burn bright. It's time to stop letting your circumstances put a fire blanket on you. And rise up and call your own witnesses to the stand. And determine that you will find him not guilty, faithful, true. He is who he says he is. I'll believe the report of the Lord. I'll believe the testimony of the Lord. I will not listen to the witnesses of the news. I will not listen to the witness of my bank account. I will not listen to the witness of anybody who tries to tell me that he's not who he says he is. Listen, some of you are going to have to cut some friends out of your life because they don't believe the report of the Lord. And it sounds harsh and it sounds mean, but it's just going, I have too big of a calling to settle for the little God you serve. I can't. I love you, but I can't. I want to, I do want to, I kind of do want to do some, can we like do some, I don't know what, (laughs) something. I feel like this is a moment. Listen, sometimes it's the time for me to call you up and we have a crying moment and we lay hands on you and it's beautiful. But I just feel like right now is the moment for you to engage with the Lord yourself and go, Hey, I'm not afraid. Pour your gasoline on me. I'll burn God. I'll burn. I'll burn. Burn away the chains. Come on, go ahead. Put me on the altar. Burn away the wrong mindsets about you. Burn away the lies that i believe believed. And give me the truth. Because I want you. And I'm going to go outside these doors. I'm going to be a representative of you in the earth. And I'm not going to be intimidated. And I'm not going to shrink back. The kingdom is advancing. Woo! The Lord spoke to me. We'll, we'll do this and then we're going to go right into that. The Lord spoke to me several years ago. I was going to the Middle East and he said, me, he said, Jessica, there are entire regions that the demonic has had strongholds because Christians haven't shown up to the fight. Okay. All right. And I said, alright, I'll go. Send me. And I'm telling you, there are regions in Beaumont. Okay. There are streets in Beaumont. There's apartment complexes in Beaumont. That the demonic has had strongholds because Christians haven't shown up to the fight. And it's time for us to go with our neighbor who doesn't look like us and say we're not gonna segregate. We're going back to that. And we're gonna come in together. And our unity and our love is gonna show the world what it's really like. So I just want to I do want to go into whatever you are about to go into. And I just want us to engage with him. And listen, if it's not you, then I don't care. Sit down. That's between you and the Lord. But if it's you, I just want you to say, I'm a target. Hit me, Lord. Pour out the gasoline on me. I literally just see him going around, pouring gasoline on the people that are like, I'm willing to burn. I'm willing to burn, Lord. So, Father, right now, we welcome you. Come do what you want to do.
1: And God, I'll I'll always
0: be the first one on the altar. Burn me, God. Burn me, Lord. I present myself as a living sacrifice to you. Come do what you want. I trust you, I deem you faithful, I say you are who you say you are, you are healer, you are provider, you are bigger, you are greater, you are Lord, you are who you say you are. Pardon me God.